And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live. Overnight, good morning, I'm Gary McNamara. Eric is off for a couple of days. He's doing marketing for the show. Yeah. See, they allow him out of the cage. Me, they don't allow out. So I have to stay in here. And... And Eric gets to go out in public. And they say, no, we, you can't allow McNamara to get out there. No, no, he's got to stay in the cage. So I'm here in the cage with you. And uh, taking Eric's place today will be all the audio cuts that we have. Man, what a day it was uh, 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 yesterday. We'll, we'll get to the left's uh, reaction uh, to the Nashville shooting here, which, uh, of course, is insane uh in just a couple of uh, minutes but just to give you a little taste of what's going on i i sat yesterday and watched a significant amount of of uh department of homeland security secretary mayorkas uh in front of the senate yesterday it was just it was mind-boggling and we've got just tons of uh, audio on uh, that one let me just give you a little bit of a little sample here and just how uh how tedious it is with mayorkas who won't answer any questions Here's Ted Cruz. Has the crisis at our southern border made Americans less safe? Yes or no? Senator, we are dedicated to the safety. Has and the security crisis made Americans less safe? I don't I don't want a, a discourse. It's a yes or no question. Senator, we have a challenge of You refuse to answer the question. Not Se- Mr. Secretary, let me show you how someone doing his job answers a question in a straightforward manner. Chief Ortiz. Is the crisis that is currently ongoing at the southern border making the border less safe for Americans and aliens alike? Answer, yes. One word, one syllable, three letters. That's how someone answers a question and does their job. You're being a politician misleading the American people. Let me give you a chance again. Will you show the same integrity Chief Ortiz shows? Is the crisis at the southern border making Americans less safe? Yes or no? Senator, we have 260,000 You refuse to answer the question. Let's move on. 
Uh, you talk about tedious, uh, but that that went on for a significant uh, period of time yesterday. Uh, and we'll get to not just Ted Cruz, but a number of the other uh, Republicans uh, who were asking uh, questions. And it was just, I mean, it was beyond frustrating. I mean, just beyond frustrating. I want to see if I can find this one. This is the uh, uh, this is another thing we'll talk about here in a little bit. This is Biden's Interior Secretary uh, uh, before uh, the House uh, talking about uh, electric vehicles, and this is quite an admission from the administration. Here we go. By deductive reasoning, that would mean that electronic vehicles, I'm sorry, electric vehicles and renewables deepen our reliance on China. Correct? Yes. Whoa. <laughs> Also, uh, she, uh, uh, what is, uh, Deborah, is it Halen? Yeah, she was also one of the co-sponsors of the Green New Deal. Wait till you hear, wait till you hear how she responds <laughs> to questioning on the Green New Deal. I mean, it's just, it, it, they can't defend anything that they're doing. So we will get uh, to that and uh, more. Uh, I think that uh, Charles Cook in National Review basically covered it all yesterday. He had a column that just said, therefore what? And he writes, ABC News anchor Terry Moran mischaracterized the legislation uh, in Tennessee and implied that it may have been related to the uh, uh, attack. Uh, Let me just, I, I printed it up here, and of course, when you print it up, it messes up at times, but I have it here. Um, so ABC News anchor Terry Moran mischaracterized the legislation uh, and implied uh, it may have been related to the attack. The shooter identified herself as a transgender person. The state of Tennessee earlier this month passed and the governor signed a bill that banned transgender medical care for minors as well as a law that prohibited adult entertainment, as well as male and female impersonators after a series of drag show uh, controversies in the state. And then he writes, I would like to know what is supposed to come next in Moran's sequence. The shooter was transgender. Tennessee had passed some laws she didn't like. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore what happened makes sense? Therefore, she had no choice but to murder some nine-year-olds. Therefore, the state of Tennessee is guilty in some sense. What? I'd like to know why these facts were raised as they were. Because to be quite honest with you, I cannot see an innocent explanation for Moran having uh, juxtaposed them with the news he was relaying. Certainly, we can quibble over the scale of Moran's implication, but there seems to be no doubt that his words were explanatory in nature. And unless such explanations are followed by immediate condemnation, which Moran's were not, that's a pretty massive problem, isn't it? Elsewhere yesterday, NBC reporter named Benjamin Ryan tweeted that NBC has ID'd the Nashville school shooter as 28, who identifies as transgender and had no previous criminal record. Nashville is home to the Daily Wire, a hub of anti-trans activity. Okay, therefore what? 
Therefore, Walsh, Shapiro, and Knowles are ultimately responsible. Therefore, the shooter should have targeted those people instead. Therefore, what, I'd like to know. I cannot help but notice that the press has found a clever way of having it both ways in situations such as these. If rather than six Christians being murdered by a transgender activist, a Christian activist was murdered, uh, had murdered six transgender people, both Moran and Ryan would have said, well, they'd have said the exact same thing, wouldn't they? Whatever happens, the blame only runs in one direction. Someone did something horrible, and oh, while you're here, have you heard about the right-wing speech or legislation that we'd like you to think explains it? Had they wished to, both Moran and Waring could have mentioned all manner of equally irrelevant information, including just off the top of my head, that March 31st of this year has been marked out as the Trans Day of Vengeance. Had they wished to, they could have noted that there are a whole host of influential groups in this country that spend their days happily convincing trans people that opposition to irreversible surgery for minors is akin to genocide. Had they wished to, they could have pointed out that the victims were all Christians, but they didn't. Not, of course, because they agree with me in thinking that blaming broader groups of the actions of evil individuals is lazy and illiberal, but because it would never simply occur to them that the causation in which they believe uh, in which they believe might work the other way around. That's it right there. I mean, that's what you saw yesterday. Did you see the um, the uh, the tweet from the aide of um, of the uh, the governor of Arizona? My God, I mean, that was just unbelievable. It was. It's a tweet showing basically a woman holding gun, two guns, and shooting it. Shooting the gun, saying this is what we do to transphobes. I mean, and that one, I know Twitter. There were some complaints that Twitter was was blocking uh, uh, people yesterday for uh, violent rhetoric. I, as the last I checked, which was probably an hour ago, from what I know, I had not read where she had been blocked. But we will get uh, to that. There was the one transgender organization that wrote this. The first tragedy is the loss of life of three children and adults. We extend our deepest sympathies and heartfelt prayers to those families dealing with the loss of loved ones. There is nothing we can offer that will comfort the hurt or ease the sorrow we mourn with you. The second and more complex tragedy is that Aiden or Aubrey Hale, who felt like and they have, they, they, this is a quote from them, who felt he had no other effective way to be seen than to lash out by taking the life of others and consequence himself, end of quote. As if the shooter in this case is a victim. You know, when I, Eric and I were talking about this, this was yesterday morning before we went on the air, and I said, I looked at him and I said, you know, I hate to say it, and we didn't know yet. I said, but if we find out uh, that, you know, the the manifesto and the reason this was targeted, the Christian school, uh, was because 
of the liberal, the insane liberal transgender activist movement uh, mindset, then don't be surprised because we know that already uh, before this shooting, it was, and this goes all the way back to Ben Shapiro with the uh, the uh, 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 transgender woman. And I forgot what show that was on. It was, but uh, uh, where um, uh, where the uh, transgender threatened to beat up uh, Ben Shapiro. And Ben Shapiro said, "Why the you know you know why the violence?" And uh, but he the reason he wanted to beat him up is because he said, "You're not a biological you know woman. You're a biological man." And everybody on the set. Blame Ben Shapiro because it doesn't matter whether it's the truth. The fact that Ben Shapiro told the truth justified the reaction of the transgender. And we know the mindset before the shooting yesterday was, if you don't lie about biology, you are responsible, in essence, for the suicides of any transgender because they are so hurt by your opinion that they committed suicide, which, of course, the response should be, well, then they needed a lot of therapy because things are said all the time that offend people and people don't commit suicide over it. And I said, just wait, said if this, if. If there is, and again, the manifesto isn't out yet. We, you know, people believe that's what it was about. But you had the one transgender organization, you know, come out and say what they said, that basically the uh, alleged shooter, the murderer, is a victim in this case. A victim of what? Of whom? And so now it is, if you don't lie about the biology, if you don't lie about science, then you're responsible if a transgender goes out and commits murder over it because it's so offensive. This is how insane, as we call it, the liberal transgender activist movement has gotten in this country. And we'll talk more about it uh, coming up. we got a great show ahead. 866-90-RED-EYE. It's not always easy to spring back from the harsh days of winter to warmer months ahead. From de-icing chemicals to hidden debris underneath snow and ice, winter conditions can do serious damage to your truck. Here's a must-do maintenance check to help you minimize downtime and stay rolling. Have your batteries tested and inspect your electrical system for any exposed connections, wires, or butt connectors. Get any exposed components repaired immediately, as the acidic nature of highway de-icers will erode any exposed connections or wires in no time at all. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal, but man, everywhere you look, people are 
bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Eric has the morning off. It's me and you and a ton of audio we've got uh, coming up on the uh, the show today. Need to give you an update. We may not be talking about this for the next couple of weeks. Uh, reading here from uh, Andrew McCarthy, who's been following uh, uh, this former federal prosecutor. Uh, and he writes, uh, though it doesn't say how, the New York Post reports that it has learned that there will be no indictment of former President Trump this week by the grand jury that is hearing evidence presented by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. In fact, if the Post information is correct and we're not in a position to evaluate that, the panel will hear no further Trump evidence this week and is not expected to resume considering the case next week either. Wow said because the grand jury proceedings are secret and the DA's deliberations about cases happens behind closed doors, we can't say for sure what is happening, but Bragg appeared poised to charge Trump 10 days ago. Now that looks less likely. Bragg has mothballed the case once before out of concern over its weakness. Now it's just as weak, but another year has gone by, so it's even more stale. Even some intensely anti-Trump Democrats, such as Van Jones, and we brought this to you, have urged that Bragg stay his hand. That is precisely because they are intensely anti-Trump. Their fear is that a weak prosecution brought by Bragg would discredit more serious investigations of Trump. He said, if the Post is right, though, it may be weeks before we hear any new developments in Bragg's Trump investigation, assuming, assuming that there is going to be any new developments, which is uncertain. So, wow, I mean, how that has how that has changed. But when when uh, Bob Costello, uh, Cohen's uh 
legal advisor back a you know a few years back when he testified and said no sorry um you know everything that he's telling the grand jury is is false uh and then we found out that because he was an attorney for Cohen it's like well how can you testify what about attorney client privilege it's like no he waived it and Cohen would say, no, he didn't. He's holding up the piece of paper on Fox. Here it is right here. He waived it. And so when Cohen got caught apparently in that lie, and then when the New York Post came out with all of those emails that showed that Cohen's other lawyers had actually told the federal government that Cohen was responsible for everything and Trump wasn't responsible for anything. In fact, they were claiming that Trump knew nothing about the payments, that it was all Cohen who did it. I'm looking at Eric and like, what am I, what am I missing here? How can they continue, you know, going on with this process? And we kept thinking, well, this is so how delusional can this guy be? It just doesn't make sense. And then we went, wait a minute, this is the DA. And once he was elected, said, hmm, okay, I am not going to prosecute uh, anybody who commits an armed robbery with a gun. I will not prosecute them with a felony as long as they don't shoot the gun. He had to back off on that, but that's where his mindset is. And at that point, we said, okay, yeah, he's just completely delusional. But really fascinating how this has changed in the last uh, 10 days, changed completely. But obviously what we had heard from Costello and the confusion we had is no longer confusion. It seems that it all makes sense because Bragg isn't moving forward for a while at least. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off, so it's me and uh, you. Feeling old today. Yeah, feeling old. A friend of mine posted on Facebook that Led Zeppelin's uh, uh, album was Houses of the Holy. Came out 50 years ago yesterday. And then it was like last week I saw that Yellow Big Road from Elton John 50 years ago. A half a century ago, those albums came out. <laughs> and then all I'm seeing on, on, on Facebook is the fact that uh, this July, and I'm heading back at least just for just one night of it, my uh, 50th high school reunion. <laughs> I never think of my age. Until I see things like that. Oh, wow. That Led Zeppelin album is a half a century old. A half a century. Wow. And and I was a senior in high school when it came out. I'm 
old. <laughs> but I'll get over it. You know, as they say, uh, you know, be blessed because a lot of people don't get to be old. And so if you do, it's actually a privilege. I'm going to keep that in mind as my ankle, knee, hip, elbow, and uh, shoulder pain throbs the next time I golf. All right. One of the things that is really that's really good, and to me it's a, it's a, it's a positive because uh, you need transparency in government and you're never going to get transparency in government if one party uh, you know, controls both the executive branch and the legislative branch. Well, you're getting some now because you're actually having Republicans that are asking questions uh, of, uh, of importance to different candidates. And I find it fascinating. I find I can't do much during the day because there's so many things going on right now. I'm just constantly on YouTube looking at all the different, uh, uh, you know, testimonies being given by, by uh, you know, different members of the, the Biden administration. I want to play this one here. And we're just going to be, we may not be talking a lot about it, but I just want to play these because uh, there's so much other stuff to talk about that's current here for the, you know, the last couple of days. But this one I had to play because it's the Biden Interior Secretary uh, being interviewed. Now, she, uh, Secretary Deb Halen, she uh, was a co-sponsor of the Green New Deal. And listen to some of these questions back and forth. Uh, Madam Secretary, you were in Congress in the 116th Congress, correct? Yes. And you were a supporter of the Green New Deal? Um, yes, I, I ran on that. You co-sponsored it? Mm-hmm. Yes. You said, and I quote, I 100% support a Green New Deal. Yes, I ran on that when I had my first campaign in Congress. Yes. Are you aware aware the Green New Deal bans fracking? Um, Congressman, if I could just say, it's I'm, a yes or no. I I am aware of whatever the Green New Deal had at the time, however many years ago that <clears throat> I signed on to it. It does, and I'll enter uh, the Green New Deal in the 116th for the record. But are you aware that it also bans clean coal? Thank you, Congressman. So is that a yes? Um, I, I don't – honestly, it's 2023. You were a co-sponsor of the bill. Are you aware it bans yes, clean coal? Yes, I, I, I am aware of – I'd be happy to look it up and refresh my memory on the bill. I, can, I sponsored I can, a lot I can, of I bills. I can read you I the resolution. I sponsored a lot of bills when I was in Congress. You also said you 100 percent support a Green New Deal. Are you aware also that the Green New Deal bans oil and gas leasing? Thank you, Congressman. Is that a yes? If you're telling me and you're reading it from there, yes. All right. So you would agree that the Green New Deal bans fracking, bans oil and gas leasing, and bans clean coal. Do you still support the Green New Deal? Congressman, as the Secretary it's a yes of the Interior. Yes or no? Do you interior? support it or not? Well, I'm a me- I am a Secretary of the Interior now. I'm not no longer a member of Congress. So you do still support the Green New Deal, yes or no? I, in my current capacity, I don't, I am not. Would you still have co-sponsored the bill in the 116th had you know that it banned all this? I, I'm not sh- sure of the question. If I, I co-sponsored no, it when I was a member of Congress, points, I'm no longer Knowing all these points, would you have still co-sponsored the bill? It's a very simple question. Thank you. I, I ran on thank, the green Thank you is your response. It's yes or no. Would you still, would you co sponsor it or not? I co-sponsored it, yes. Okay, and you don't regret that? 
No. And you still stand by your statement that you 100% support the Green New Deal? When I was a member of Congress, yes. Okay, there you go. I mean, how you have to pull teeth to get to that point. You know, sometimes, uh, sorry, but liberals can be weird. Thank you? So do you support support the bill that you co-sponsored? Thank you. That it's just an it's an odd answer. Thank you. And she repeated it over and over again. That's the problem, as we have said, when you go back and you actually are able to cross examine the left on the issues that they stand for. Now, she can say, I support the Green New Deal. But when he asked her the specifics of you would ban this, you would ban that, you would ban this, you would ban that. Those are the questions when you get to the minutia of it, that she just doesn't want to answer. As we've said, the left cannot be honest about what they actually believe because they know the American people don't stand behind it. Getting back to the uh, Nashville uh, Christian School uh, shooting yesterday and the uh, the murders, uh just some of the you know bizarre reaction uh, on uh, on the same day um, that the attack happened. Uh, Arizona Governor uh, Katie Hobbs' press secretary Jocelyn Berry sent a tweet that focused on pointing guns at transphobes. It's really you look at it, you're like, my God. We've talked about the left and no self awareness, absolutely no self awareness there. In essence, there's a shooting. Could you imagine if a press secretary, if there was some other type of shooting and a press secretary for any other Republican governor put up a picture of a woman shooting a gun and says this is what we do to, you know, basically justifying the mass murder. Could you imagine any Republican not being fired within 10 minutes? As far as I know, she hasn't been fired yet. Other information, now that this has all come out, and again, we're responding to the insane liberal transgender activist movement in their effort to promote the murderer as a victim in this particular case. A 2022 Canadian study found that youth who identify as transgender are at the highest risk of violent radicalization. The study, titled Meaning in Life, Future Orientation, and Support for Violent Radicalization among Canadian college students during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, explored the extent to which different demographics were open to violent radicalization. The uh, study explains the COVID-19 pandemic has increased levels of uncertainty and social polarization in our societies, compromising uh, young people's capacity to envision a positive future and maintaining a meaningful sense of purpose in life. Maybe that could go back to the poll we brought you yesterday about values. 
Within a positive youth development framework, the present study investigates the association of positive future orientation, uh, presence of and uh, search for meaning of life, and support for radicalization uh, is a diverse sample of, uh, of Canadian college students. In the study of Quebec youth, they found that transgender youth were the group at the highest risk of violent radicalization. Wow. The research included 3,100 participants between the ages of 16 and 25 years old from 18 different colleges in Quebec. Those who identified as transgender or gender diverse, that's a quote, accounted for 2.5% of the participants, 79. It found that Quote, transgender and gender diverse students reported higher support for violent radicalization. This is in line with the results of a recent survey conducted during the pandemic that highlighted high level support for violent radicalization as well as psychological distress among gender minorities, end of quote. So there you go. Just uh, And so all this now is going to be brought up in, into the, uh, the, uh, the open, but the left yesterday, I mean, it was just, uh, you know, it was just, it's just uh, amazing. I did see, I got to find it here. I wonder, did I... I I thought, did I bookmark this? I hope I did. Oh, yeah, here it is. And this even this was actually posted by an anti-Trumper, Jonah Goldberg, who says, wait, this is parody. Come on, Reuters. Here's a Reuters headline. Former Christian school student kills three, three staff at Nashville shooting. And what does that imply? That implies, okay, a Christian school student did it. This was about pro-Christianity. And that got a lot of play. So, like I said, it's uh, was uh, it was uh, such a terrible tragedy, and yesterday compounded by the insanity of the left to make and and the uh, insane liberal transgender activist movement attempting to make the murderer of children a victim in all of this. Wow. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, Let us go to Keith in uh, Detroit. Keith, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi, Keith. Hi, long-time listener. Love the show. Thanks, Thanks. for taking my call. You're welcome. 
What's up? Uh, I, I wanted to talk about, uh, I've heard of, and th- through the stories I've been listening to with that shooting in, in, in Nashville, that there was a manifesto that the, the shooter yes. had. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm wondering if the manifesto did, does not fit with the left narrative, is it going to be squashed? What do you mean? What, I, what do you I'm mean hearing, squashed by by the media uh, won't cover it? Yes, that the, the large media won't cover it. Yeah, I mean, why has it not been released already? Um, because it's still part of the investigation, and they haven't decided whether to release it or not. And uh, you have the liberal transgender activist movement vehemently stating that it should not be released because they believe it will cause more violence towards. Uh, transgenders. Remember, they're promoting... Right, which was my point. Right. Remember, they're promoting the point, the liberal transgender activist movement, that there is a genocide going on uh, against transgenders, which of course is ridiculous. There's no genocide going on. But part of the genocide no, of is... not. Part of the genocide is not allowing uh, minors, you know, the, the whole push to not allow minors to change their bodies or take hormones they also view as part of the genocide. And so they don't yeah, yeah they don't wish it to be uh uh released. Uh and my thing would be simple. If you don't release this manifesto, then no manifesto ever is released to the public yes. and that isn't likely to uh to uh to happen. But um you know it's uh Look, it's. Uh, and if it, I can it, just make one more. Go ahead. Go, yeah. Point. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I still. Again, I got to say, I, I don't understand why we don't have retired military or retired police in the schools with a weapon. One of the fathers. But this this, yeah, this the, shooter shot her way in. Yeah, the one uh, father uh, who has been quite vocal. Uh, his daughter was killed at Parkland, said the same thing yesterday. In fact, I'll have that story coming up following the top of the hour. So uh, thanks so much uh, for that. But uh, we'll we'll get to that story. 866-90-RED-EYE. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen when and where you choose if you aren't able to listen live overnight. The preferred uh, method. Uh, interesting because the last caller brought up the fact of you know are we going to you know harden schools. Um, again, the the argument we get we get back to it that you know we need um, uh, we need gun control 
you heard uh, the president yesterday. The president was out there. He, the things he was saying was uh, was so false. Reminds me of when he said that the the Second Amendment under the Constitution, remember, uh, banned cannons. It was like, no, it doesn't. Uh, he was saying yesterday that we don't allow flamethrowers. Actually, you can own a flamethrower. They're not illegal. Uh, he said you can't own a machine gun. Actually, you can own a machine gun. Now, you have to go through an extremely long process uh, to get one, but you can. And even though these weapons were not used, he talked about automatic weapons. Automatic weapons were not used in this. They are extremely rare. Like I said, you can get a permit. Now, apparently, you can't own a machine gun that was built before 1986. I did see that um, uh, yesterday, but he just was, uh, what else? Let me see. What else did he, I want to make sure we grab what else he said yesterday uh, here on this. Um, uh, oh, he said that uh, uh, guns are the leading cause of death uh, for uh, children. That is not true. Automobile accidents are. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's the, the usual of what you get. Now, Mayorkas was uh, testifying before Congress uh, yesterday and says he wants a ban on assault weapons. Here's this audio from Senator Kennedy asking him, can you define an assault weapon? Here it is. Mr. Secretary, do you agree with the president that we should ban the private ownership of assault weapons in America? Senator, I do. What is an assault weapon? It is, for example, an AK-47. Uh, can you give me a definition other than just pointing to a specific weapon? Would there be other weapons besides an AK-47 you would ban? Uh, there uh, uh, very well are. And I remember when I was a federal prosecutor uh, in the Central District of California, from September 25th, 1989 to, I believe it was April 2001. And I thank you for uh, your service, the, but if you could the answer law my question. The, the vast majority of law enforcement officers, uh, leaders uh, with whom I worked, uh, uh, were uh, greatly in support of the assault weapons Mr. ban. Chairman, you know of, why we get so frustrated with you? Because you won't give straight answers. I think I just did. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Do you have an, a, def, a definition of an assault weapon? Uh, I am confident there is a technical definition of what is an assault weapon, uh, and it was uh, assuredly used uh, in the context of the statute that previously existed banning assault weapons. It really is amazing how many on the left will say ban assault weapons and they can't define what an assault weapon is. I mean, that is just... <laughs> we need to ban this. Well... What's a definition? I can't tell you. Somebody knows what it is, but we we can't we can't tell you what it is because we actually don't have a definition of it. You know, you will have the uh, people on the left once in a while say, "Well, it's automatic weapons." Well, automatic weapons. I don't know the last time an automatic weapon was used in any mass shooting. You know, has to be a long time. St. Valentine's Day massacre. <laughs> okay, I. But seriously, I, I mean, I just don't know uh, when the last time uh, it uh, it was. And so you've got you and that's expected. I mean, I'm not surprised by the the uh, you know, the uh, 
effort to want to ban guns. And, you know, we've talked about this, you know, uh, already got some messages. We need to ban guns from young people. You can't. She was 28 years old. That doesn't apply. So it doesn't apply to 28-year-olds. So um, I did see a story that her parents knew that she had emotional and mental problems and knew that she had a firearm. I saw that story uh, yesterday. But as we have stated before, when you look at the whatever they wish to deem as assault weapon, rifle, whatever you wish to to call it, however you define it, AK-47 or AR-15 or whatever, because that's what Mayorkas uh, brought up, rifles are used in just a very, very small number of murders in this country. And when you, and we have stated this before, it is a slippery slope that once rifles are gone, well, then what is, you know, what is responsible? What do, because we know who's responsible, the human beings, but what will human beings use at that point and what do human beings use the most in firearms when it comes to murders? Handguns. The next thing would be handguns have to go. The goal is total gun control. Because if you don't have total gun control, the uh, you know the left believes that there will be many many more murders, and therefore no one should have a gun except the police that they wish to defund and they don't trust at all. The uh, Andrew Pollack school safety advocate who lost his daughter in the Parkland, Florida shooting, pleaded with parents yesterday, this from the New York Post, to take matters into their own hands in light of the Nashville school shooting. A lot of these shootings, even the ones, uh, even the one that just took place, was avoidable in my eyes. Pollock, whose daughter Meadow and 16 others were killed when a gunman opened fire Open fire, excuse me, open fire at her school in Parkland in 2018. Uh, what we're failing to note is that here is that parents need to wake up and demand that they have programs in place in their school, like the Guardian program in Florida, where there's training for teachers, training for veterans, training for individuals that could work at these schools and be able to carry in the school. We need to have officers in the school, and you need to have plainclothes guards in the schools for, uh, for instances like this. This has been talked about many times before, and the reaction from the left is police officers scare children, so police officers shouldn't be in there. We've done this many, many times. We know how this goes. And so you have to ask yourself, we haven't a sec we have a whether you agree with the second amendment or not we have one and it exists and it's not going away anytime soon so whether you agree with the second amendment or disagree with the second amendment it's not going away 
the amendment process to change the Second Amendment is not going to happen in the United States. So if you're a realist on the left, you would say, okay, how do we prevent this? Ban all guns. Can't do that. Well, we should do it. The support wouldn't be there. You cannot get there. Even if the public wished to go there, it would take decades to do so. But you're not going to get the Second Amendment repealed. So if you care about children, what would be the next thing that you would want to do immediately until you can repeal the Second Amendment, if that's how you feel? And that would be allow responsible people or a police officer at every school. Elementary school around the corner from me, every time I go by, there's a police presence. You see the, you know, you see whether the police officer is there or whether they go, you know, they make rounds at the schools. I always see the car there. Now, is there an officer there or is it just a car that's parked right out in the front door? And you look at that and you, when every time I go by, I go, okay, uh, that is a deterrent. I'm not going to go to that school if I'm a criminal or if I'm a mass murderer. It's, you sit there, okay, and, you know, and and so, okay, because that's, you know, you're not going to be able to do what you wish to do, which most of the time it isn't. If you're going to attack a school, it's to cause as much murder and mayhem as possible and to kill children. And you may not be able to get to your goal with the sick minds, evil minds that they have if a police officer is ready for you. But if you actually care about the children and you live in the real world, you would say yes. But many liberals do not want it. They don't want police officers in schools because they believe the police officers are the evil ones. We've been through this over the last couple of years. So you really don't give a damn about the children, do you? Because if you did, you'd say, yeah, we should. this is what we should have. So it's going to be a lot of discussion. And I think that whether the, whether the manifesto is released or not, already the left is assuming what's in the manifesto. And the left is already, as we, the liberal transgender activist movement, is already portraying the murderer as a victim in this because there was no other recourse, as they wrote, for her. Of course there was. If she felt there was no other recourse, well, that doesn't make her a victim. She may be a victim of the mentality that, no, you shouldn't seek psychiatric help. But that certainly isn't being a victim of general society as a whole. And I do think that this is going to help expose just how radical the liberal transgender activist movement is and how radical the Democratic Party is. Oh, by the way, who was uh, one of the... um, Administration officials was testifying yesterday, uh, and uh, it was uh, on the fact that uh, Biden wants tax dollars to go 
for minors to have sex changes. Minors. This is how radical these people are. How radical and perverted they are. 86690 Red-Eye. Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay per mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay per mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Eric has the morning off, so it's you and uh, me coming up following the bottom of the hour. We have, uh, over the next couple of days, so, so much audio that we want to play in, and the reason is because the Republicans now have the House, which means there's actually a cross-examination, and there's questioning about what the administration is doing. And, of course, the Democrats, when they had both uh uh, houses of uh, of Congress and the executive branch didn't do any of it. And and so we will hear, it was fascinating yesterday, some of the back and forth uh, between uh, Secretary Mayorkas uh, from Homeland Security and the Republican members of uh, of Congress. So we will get to that here in just a little bit. When, you know, when we look at the, what has come out of, the horrendous mass murder in Nashville, I think one thing that you will see is there is going to be much more discussion, and I believe there will be an effort. I hope that there is an effort from conservatives and Republicans to really point out the insanity of the liberal transgender activist movement and and the media supporting them on it. And you know, get into the minutia of it because that's what you that's what you have to do. You know, one of the things, and I was happy to see it yesterday, is the number of stories written 
about the liberal transgender activist movement claiming that there's a genocide going on. And part of that genocide is not allowing, uh, is not allowing, uh, children without parents' permission to get sex changes. And we brought you early in the show how ABC reported it, how NBC, uh, reported, uh, the, 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 the shooting. And in essence, are implying that it's somehow related to Republicans. I won't say related, that the blame, they're implying the blame has to be because these mean Republicans want to ban children from getting sex change operations or hormones without their parents' permission. You know, we've talked about that on the major issues of today that the left has to lie about everything. Well, eventually they're confronted and have to admit what they actually are doing. And you're getting this now, yesterday, when you had a congressional hearing and uh, one of the members of the administration made it clear that the president wants to spend taxpayer dollars to fund Minor sex change surgery. Good, it's about time that that came out. But on issue after issue after issue, the position that they have, it's not Democrat versus Republican anymore. It's Republicans that on most issues, I believe, show some kind of common sense and they can be honest about where they stand. And then it's the absolute insanity of the Democratic Party right now. As we brought to you yesterday, not one member of the Democrats in the House voted for the law, which isn't going to go anywhere, but the proposal that schools that get federal dollars have to inform parents as to what's going on at their school. Not one single Democrat voted for it. And they all knew it wasn't going to go anywhere because it won't get through the Senate. But they felt that they have to promote the fact that parents have no rights when it comes to their own children to even get information about what the school is doing. Understand how radical they are. This isn't 20 years ago. This is the new insane Democratic Party that we're dealing with. Call in and get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off, 866-90-RED-EYE. Whoa. Wow. Uh, (laughs) uh, I'll say this. It uh, got pretty heated as Senator Mayorkas, uh, head of Department of Homeland Security, was before the Senate Judiciary Committee yesterday on the border and other things. 
and I've got so much audio. I want to start with uh, with uh, Ted Cruz and some of his questioning of Mayorkas yesterday. Okay, we had it. Here it here it is now. Good morning, Secretary Mayorkas. Good morning. Is there a crisis at our southern border? Senator, uh, there is a very significant... That, that's a yes or no question. There's a very significant... Is there a crisis? Senator, there's a very significant challenge... I think your microphone is not on. There is a very significant challenge that we are facing... Yes or no, the is there border. a crisis? I believe I've addressed that question. So you're Senator. refusing to answer? Senator, uh, there is a very significant challenge... and Will you answer therefore, if there's a crisis? Therefore, we are dedicating the resources... Okay, so you're refusing to answer. Well... Secretary Mayorkas, I'll tell you someone who is willing to answer, which is your and President Biden's chief of the Border Patrol, in a sworn deposition in July of 2022, when asked, would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that the southern border is currently in crisis? Answer, yes. Notice, none of those wiggle words, none of that equivocation. One word, one syllable, yes. Are you willing to speak with the same clarity as Chief Ortiz? Is there a crisis at our southern border, yes or no? Senator, I'm very proud to work alongside. But you refuse to answer. Let me ask you the next question. Has the crisis at our southern border made Americans less safe, yes or no? Senator, we are dedicated to the safety Has the crisis made Americans less safe? I don't, I don't want a, a discourse. It's a yes or no question. Senator, we have a challenge of... You refuse to answer the question. Not... Sec Mr. Secretary, let me show you how someone doing his job answers a question in a straightforward manner. Chief Ortiz, is the crisis that is currently ongoing at the southern border making the border less safe for Americans and aliens alike? Answer, yes. One word, one syllable, three letters. That's how someone answers a question and does their job. You're being a politician misleading the American people. Let me give you a chance again. Will you show the same integrity Chief Ortiz shows? Is the crisis at the southern border making Americans less safe? Yes or no? Senator, we have 260,000 You refuse to answer the question. Let's move on. And security of the Next American question, people. Mr. Mayorkas. Has the crisis made aliens less safe? Yes or no? Senator, we are seeking... So you won't answer that question either? If you... It, it is... It's a yes or no. Has it made aliens less safe? Senator, smugglers... Are exploiting has the crisis made aliens yes less safe are you willing to answer it senator the smuggling organizations okay you're, you're filibustering again let me ask you this question how many migrants have died under president biden senator your your phrasing of the question is actually quite misleading how many migrants died in 2022 um uh at our uh, approaching our southern border yes precisely why we are seeking to exclude so you're, this can, Do you know the answer? Do you know how many died? I do not. You do not. Of course you don't. I know how many died. 853. That is 853. And by the way, here are the numbers that have died every year. You go back to 1998, you see it's consistently between 300 and 400, 300 and 400, 300 and 400. Suddenly, 2021, what happens? You get in office, and that red line are dead bodies. I've been on the Rio Grande, and I've seen dead bodies floating there who've drowned because of your refusal to do your job. You don't even know how many have died. What do you say to the Texas farmers and ranchers who find pregnant ladies dead on their property, who find toddlers dead on their property? What do you say to them? I say that is why precisely 
We are taking it to the smuggling organization. But you are not. Number that is simply not true. Number two, it is but, why let, we let, are let, let, let me read from the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal two weeks ago ran an article entitled, It's Like Gra a Graveyard. Record numbers of migrants are dying at the border. The story begins with this chilling line, quote, Eagle Pass, Texas. Local officials keep a refrigerated truck to hold the bodies of migrants who drown in the currents of the Rio Grande while trying to cross the border into the U.S. Mr. Chairman, I ask unanimous consent that this article be entered into the record. Let me ask you a different question. How many children have been sexually assaulted by human traffickers under the Biden administration? Senator, this is precisely why we instituted... I, I don't want a lecture. It's a question. How many children I'm have been sexually assaulted by human traffickers under your administration? Senator, this is, this is exactly why on January 5th, we you, again, you're, do you program. know how many? Do you know how many children have been sexually assaulted? This is why we... Okay, you're going to refuse to answer that question as well. Let's move on. It's obvious you've been instructed to stonewall, so okay. I'm not going to let you. You don't get to stonewall and filibuster. Now, one of my Democratic colleagues before said the Democrat talking point, quote, this problem didn't start under Biden. That's, look, I get if you're a partisan spinner, you've got to figure out something to say about the absolute catastrophe that has played out under the Biden administration. True or false, Secretary Marcus, 2020 was the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. Is that true or false? It is certainly the lowest level of immigration in many, many years. And what was it okay, fine. in 2020? What was it, Senator, in 2020 that impacted the entire world, including the United States? Okay, so your what testimony was... is the reason we had the lowest rate was COVID. It had nothing to do with building the wall, nothing to do with any catch and release, nothing to do with remain in Mexico. With all respect, Mr. Secretary, that answer is laughable. And in fact, if you look at illegal immigration, let's look at CVP encounters. You can see 500,000, 500,000. It drops to the lowest level and boom, what happens? You show up and that red line is you. That red line is Joe Biden. And you're claiming nothing happened. Oh gosh, th this was here before us. No, you made the decision to allow this to happen. Let me ask you, we now have over 5.5 million people who've entered this country illegally under Joe Biden. How many murderers have you released into America? Senator, I'm not aware of any murder whom we've... So you don't know? Into the, into, Senator, let me say something. If Do you, you know? If you take a look at... No, no, you, you don't get to give a speech. Do you know how many murderers you've released? To, I'm just trying to answer your question, How many rapists Senator. have you released? Senator, I'm trying you to know? answer your question. You can answer, I know or I don't know. Senator, any individual who poses a public safety threat... How many child molesters have you released? ...and removed into the United States, from the United States. Oh, so your testimony under oath, subject to perjury, is that you have not released any murderers, rapists, or child molesters among the 5.5 million? Is that your testimony? Um, Mr. Chairman, may I have the opportunity no, to No, you ask? may not. You may answer my question. You're, you're not Is allowing. that your testimony, yes or no? Senator, you're not allowing me to answer your question. I am allowing you to answer. I'm not allowing you to filibuster. If, if you take a look at the, the pace of immigration in 2018 to 2019... You're refusing you to answer. Let's move on. Let's move on to gotaways. Gotaways are the people that get away that you know about. Now, what happened under your administration? Gotaways consistently down at this low line. Boom, you get in. And they go from below 180,000 to 600,000. Now, I'll tell you this about a gotaway. You don't know 
among those 600,000 a year, you have no idea how many are murderers, correct? That is precisely why the Correct. number of got Do away. you know how many of those are murderers? That is precisely why. So you why. refuse to answer the question. You know how many are rapists? Do you know how many are rapists? This is a question. You're a lawyer. You know how to answer questions. Of the 600,000, do you know how many of them were rapists? Senator, this is why we So, again, are... the answer is no. Let me ask you this. Do you know how many of them are terrorists? And I don't want to... Senator, here's my lecture on this. Do you know... How many of the 600,000 gotaways were terrorists? Yes or no? Senator, we are focused on the You refuse to answer that as well. Uh, let's continue here. <laughs> What's the result of massive gotaways? Well, one of the results is drug overdoses. And we now have, last year, over 100,000 overdoses who died, the majority from Chinese fentanyl streaming across the border. Now, you told Senator Cornyn, you care, but look what has happened under your policy. When you open up the border to the worst illegal immigration in our nation's history, people die. You claim you care. Mr. Secretary, that is a lie. You know, some months ago, Corrine Jean-Pierre stood up at a White House briefing and said, people are not just walking across the border. Was she telling the truth? Senator, you are was she telling so the truth? profoundly disrespectful. Was she telling the truth? Two years. Okay, of you, you, you get to answer questions. You don't Senator, get to give speeches. Senator, I served as a federal prosecutor. All right, you're refusing to answer. If you look at, she was lying, and she was not lying on her own. She was lying on behalf of the president of the United States. Now, uh, the photograph of people walking. She was lying on behalf of the President of the United States. This is a photograph from just one day along the Rio Grande of hundreds of thousands of people walking across the border. You have allowed this to happen. The photograph that was before, what are, what are these wristbands? I don't know what they are. You don't know what they are. Mr. Secretary, you have just testified to the American people you're incompetent at your job because I've been to the southern border, and if you go to the southern border, along the southern border, you see thousands of these wristbands because the illegal immigrants wear them. The drug cartels, every color corresponds to how many thousands of dollars they owe the cartels. You have turned these cartels into multi-billion dollar criminal organizations, and these are modern-day leg irons because these are children being sold into sex slavery and you don't even know what they are. That is astonishing. Mr. Secretary, how many children have been sold into sex slavery under your administration? Senator, we are taking it to the cartel. How many children have been sold into sex slavery? In an Do you know how many children have been sold into sex slavery? To an unprecedented degree. Mr. Secretary, I want to say to you right now, it is your behavior is disgraceful, and the deaths, the children assaulted, the children raped, they are at your feet, and if you had integrity, you would resign. Well, not a lot of gray area there, huh? Wow. Ted Cruz and uh, Mayorkas yesterday. And that's just some of it. I mean, it was fascinating to uh, to watch. It, one of the things that we have said over and over again is that, uh, you know, you know, the, the reporters, when they ask questions, for example, with Green Jean-Pierre, they really don't have a choice. She can filibuster and not answer the question, but they should call her on it when she doesn't. They should do exactly what Ted Cruz did. Here's my question. You're, you're not answering my question. You're, you're filibustering. 
you're you're giving an answer, but the answer is not related to my question at all. And so you have no other choice with Mayorkas, because remember, huh, he's, I, does he still walk around and say the border is secure? Did he change his lingo on that one? Remember how long he did that, and people just laugh. But this is just how incompetent and how, in my opinion, non-caring this administration uh, uh, is. Look, when Raul Ortiz was up there, the Border Patrol chief, he answered it. He answered the questions. He answered them honestly. Mayorkas is a politician. He's a bureaucrat. And his whole goal is to ensure that the American people do not know what is going on on the border. And his whole goal is to not tell you the truth. And you just heard it right there. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Eric has a morning off. Quickly, let's go to Robert in Missouri about Mayorkas' testimony yesterday. Robert, only got about a minute, but I wanted to get to you. Hi. Hi. How are you, sir? You're very Thanks good. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Anyway, so what I noticed during that testimony, and Ted Cruz was uh, asking his questions, Mayorkas seemed more concerned because most of his answers were, were repetitive the same old line that he rehearsed. But there was one thing he said that really caught my attention. He was more concerned about his 22-year career and that he thought the senator was being disrespectful to him. Yeah. (laughs) Well, when Mayorkas... That really really caught me because the senator gave it to him rapid fire. You know, and if you're not really listening to the answers because he kept repeating himself... You would think that, oh, well, he's just going to say the same thing, but I caught that. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with Mayorkas, look, they've, they've been waiting for two years to really question him uh, uh, hard and, and really have this opportunity to, uh, to, uh, to do this in the House and in the Senate, this case in the, uh, the Senate. But, look, he's the ultimate BSer, Mayorkas is, from the time that he said the border was secure. Come on. Everybody knew he was lying. So he lies on a consistent basis. Now, he's got to be careful when he's under oath. So he just doesn't answer any questions. We have more audio coming up of the hearing from yesterday. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. 
Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Yes, we are. All across America and around the planet. 86690-RED-EYE if you want to get aboard. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live overnight, as I said, taking the place of Eric today will be many, many, many audio cuts that we've been storing up. And and the fact is there are just so many because Republicans now, uh, especially in the House, are you know able to set up their own uh, committees and cross-examine by administration officials. Now, what you heard uh, the last part of last hour uh, was uh, uh, Ted Cruz uh, going after uh, Mayorkas, uh, head of Department of Homeland Security, Secretary Mayorkas. And, of course, he can't answer any questions. And if you notice it, whether it's Green Jean-Pierre, they don't answer questions. You know, Green Jean-Pierre occasionally gets upset. I answered your question. No, you answered a question. It wasn't – you didn't – you did not answer my question. <laughs> you may have answered another question, but not mine. And she'll go, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. But everybody knows she can't answer it. And that's the problem with this administration. And as we have said over and over again, the things that they really believe in and where they stand on all the major issues, they can, in a general broad outline, if they label it a certain way, defend it it's like the parents right bill rights bill in uh, florida perfect example it's don't say gay it's don't say gay doesn't appear anywhere in it you made that up why did you make it up because you can't defend what the bill is about and the bill wants to stop and has stopped teaching sexualized concepts to five-year-olds so you have to call it don't say gay in fact, coming up in a little bit, we'll have, because bringing that up, I just remembered that I have to uh, 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 bring up uh, a whole thing because what the, you're hearing now, censoring books, censoring books, censoring books, censoring books, uh, you know, that's what the Republicans are doing and not talking about, you know, the fact of, well, no, Republicans are looking at whether it's age appropriate or not. They're not censoring anything from adults. We do it all the time, age appropriate. And he actually got one of the uh, critics of the Republicans doing it to admit it. Once you get them under cross-examination, and that's what we've said, the start has to be, because I know one of the things will be, well, where will this all lead? Well, you got to get to the truth first, and you have to point out to the American people, you know, what these people are actually doing. You need to get Mayorkas up there over and over again, not asking, you know, not answering the questions, filibustering on something that's really a concern to Americans. And when you take... For example, the Border Patrol Chief, Ortiz, and you look at Mayorkas, you say, well, that guy's actually answering the questions. This guy isn't. Why won't he answer the questions? Oh, that's the guy that said the border was secure. Well, he can't answer the questions because he would have to lie if he was honest. And so we'll get to more of some of the questions that were asked in the Senate from Republican senators in a little bit. But I want to get, uh, this was uh, in front of the House, I believe. And this was uh, uh, in the last, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, uh, National Border Patrol Council President Brandon Judd uh, talking about 
the Border Patrol policies. Can you briefly describe some of the most detrimental policy changes that current administration has put into place? When you look at the, the main magnet that draws people to cross our borders illegally is whether or not they're going to be released into the United States. Right now, nearly everybody that crosses the border illegally, if they're not expelled under Title 42, which is only about 30 percent right now, then they're released into the United States. That's the main magnet that, that, that drives people. And he has, he has put that, if, if you will, he's put that on steroids. Does it bother you on a personal level to see these uh, changes uh, made? It does, because it, I know that we can't properly protect the American people with these policies. Yeah, one of the things that was covered earlier, sir, was uh, the attrition rate in the Border Patrol. In your professional um, and longstanding position in the Border Patrol, do you think that has anything to do with Border, border Patrol agents feeling like it doesn't even matter what they it, do. It does. I speak with agents on a regular basis that, that are leaving the agency because they know that they can't do the job that they that they wanted to do. Uh, here's more. When you currently look at, at the, the staffing levels right now, we have a – not only are we not deploying as many agents to the field as what we have in the past – we also have a staffing model that is just completely and totally antiquated. When you look at, we have one a, I'm sorry, one supervisor to every two agents. That's just not. Uh, it's not something that we can actually deploy agents to the field to actually do the job. Then on top of that, when you pull more agents out of the field, what it does is it requires agents to patrol an area that is just not patrollable with just one single agent. Again, you cannot control an area if you are if you are deploying an agent to patrol for every every 30 miles. That agent is responsible for 30 miles. It's impossible um, to do that, and it's impossible to detect, and it's impossible to quantify how many people are crossing when you do that. So I fully agree that we need to not rob resources from a particular place in the border to go elsewhere, but then the ranking member's opening statement suggested that the issue is Republicans won't support enough resources. But it seems to me that is, in general, with respect to the open borders policy the Biden administration has pursued, the way they've converted everything into processing people into the country faster, if we do, if we apply more resources in general, we're just going to process people into the country faster, and it's not going to secure the border or bring, make it more orderly. But what do you say about that? No, that's that's absolutely correct. And when you look at uh, what he's proposed, um, 300 new agents, that's a drop in the bucket, especially when we're losing agents at a 6.8% attrition rate right now. Uh, again, it's just absolutely unsustainable. We cannot send agents from the northern border to the southwest border and expect to keep um, control of the northern border. There you go. That's uh, National Border Patrol Council uh, President uh, Brandon uh, Judd speaking uh, before uh, Congress. And this is all necessary. You've got to point out where the administration is lying and the destructive policies, because that's the one thing that I think is really unique to this administration, is that on all the major issues, in fact, when we've talked about this, all the major challenges that we face here in America today, all these insane problems, it's not that the government can't solve these things that organically appeared just because in life general things go wrong, these are actually the calculated policies of the Democratic Party. This is what they wanted to do. On everything from debt to bank failures to the border to energy to inflation, everything is based on what on what liberal governments have wanted because, and the very important part is, you may not have voted this way, but because the vast majority of the public voted for this. 
You didn't. I didn't. But the majority of Americans over the last 30 to 40 years in this country voted for exactly where we are right now. And the Democratic Party has not moderated. They've now gone into the insane stratosphere. Here's one for you. The United Federation of Teachers canceled a whiteness workshop. This was in New York. The virtual United Federation of Teachers seminar aimed to help resist, quote, the harmful effects of whiteness in our lives, end of quote. A four-credit affair in the union's continuing education programs, which can help boost teacher pay, according to the New York Post. But the response was swift and merciless once word got around about a class that sought to give, quote, a better understanding on how to center ourselves in the struggle against whiteness. Uh, City Councilman uh, Joe Borelli, Staten Island, recounted massive outreach by parents and teachers to his office, this is in New York City, demanding to know why the class had been set up, uh, why it had been set up at all. That the United Federation of Teachers let this nonsense get as far as it did confirms, (laughs) this is from the New York Post, our low opinion of the understanding of educational excellence, but at least it did the right thing when it got uh, caught. I did hear, though, that they that someone, I, I read the other day, that someone said, well, they had to do it because of the hate responses. So you're teaching hate, and you got canceled because of hate. This is how insane Liberalism liberalism is in this country right now. Liberalism is can be a tongue twister if you say it very quickly. Liberalism. No, I haven't been drinking. I only drink when Eric's here. Coming up following the bottom of the hour, we'll have more from the uh, Senate hearings with Mayorkas and a couple of other hearings uh, uh, out there on what's going on uh, in our uh, in our uh, schools uh, today and the accusation uh, by uh, Democrats that uh, you know the Republicans wish to ban books, because they use that all the time, ban books. Well, even they understand there's a difference between the concept of banning books, which, again, banning books for adults is one thing. Banning books for children, well, no, it's not banning books. It's age-appropriate material, which they even agree to. And we'll have some of the back and forth on that one, too, plus your calls and comments. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Eric has the morning off. I am here, though, uh, uh, with you. 
Coming up following the uh, bottom of the hour, we will get uh, to uh, more of the uh, Senate hearings with the Secretary of the uh, Department of Homeland Security, Mayorkas, yesterday. What a zoo that uh, turned out is. <clears throat> he really won't answer any questions. Again, that's where the Biden administration is. We're just not going to answer any questions. So uh, that coming up. In other news... <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't I can't even say this with a straight face anymore. Uh, reparations advocate Robin Rue Simmons told CNN she does not know how San Francisco will pay black residents five million each in reparations. Uh, I don't know, and so those are the challenges that we all have as municipalities. Apparently she did it in uh, Evanston, Illinois, they did it. Was it a $25,000? And they took it from the marijuana money that they were getting. So in Evanston, Illinois, apparently they did limited reparations or are doing limited reparations, and she was a part of that. And I look, in all of these liberal enclaves that are doing it, we are very, very happy that they admit their incredible racist guilt that they feel that they have to pay reparations because of their guilt. At least the admission is there. And we've stated many times before, they understand that they are the party of identity politics that judge people by groups and not individuals. That is the key to racism. You judge people by groups. We're not going to judge you as an autonomous human being with the mind, heart, and soul of your own. We will judge how you must think and act by the color of your skin or your sexuality. Or if you think you're another gender. If you're a transgender, you must also think in a particular way, or you're not truly a transgender. How do we know that? Caitlin. Caitlin Jenner. Well, Caitlin can't be a, a transgender because Caitlin's a conservative. You must be a liberal. Caitlin's never lived the life of a woman. Remember the unique criticism for Jenner on that one? That was just... <laughs> Everything is about identity politics. They judge people by groups and they promote the fact that they, it's not, it's not hidden. It's not like I'm making this up. Everyone, every single Democrat listening right now knows that it's a Democratic Party that, again, uh, behaves and has the mindset of identity politics, judging people by groups. The thing was, what was never recognized, and it should be brought up by conservatives, I think, much uh, more often, is that it started, the identity politics really grew in the Democratic Party with their bigotry towards blacks. That's when I noticed it first starting, when I became a talk show host in 89. And t modern talk radio was in its infancy, and that was where it you know, became political advocacy. Well, you're out there and you're promoting a particular opinion. The early black conservative talk show host, man, they took it hard. They they got it hard from the left. 
They were told, you're not really black. You're an Uncle Tom. You're this. Why? Because to Democrats, all blacks must think the same. And if you deviate, then you are not genuinely black. You have betrayed your race. You've heard that many times. That comes specifically from the Democratic Party. And early on, way back then, I said, that's racism. That's the Democrats. The Democrats are stating that because by saying that, you are stating that blacks do not have the ability to be autonomous and have individual thought. You can't get more bigoted and racist than that, and they've been doing it for well over 30 years and getting away with it. And that's the thing I think that is really amazing is the fact that they're so blunt about their identity politics. They're so blunt about their stereotyping. They're so blunt about their bigotry and their racism as they're calling people that don't think like them the racist. To the point that we've got now where somebody on the left says, I'm anti-racist. And what does that mean? It means I'm a racist. And the people that are now racist are the people that aren't racist. That's how it's evolved over the last 30 years. No, I believe that people should be autonomous. And I believe that uh, you you as an individual... Uh, can come up with your own completely unique... You're a racist! Really? Yes. Individuality. (laughs) Individuality now is racist. Looking at people as individuals and autonomous and not in your mind tying them to anything. Yeah, I can notice. I can see your skin color is a little bit different than me. I have no judgment of what's in your brain at all. That's racist. Really? Then it's me then. I I didn't figure that out. And so, uh, but yeah, this this, uh, whole thing with the 5 million each. Now, if you're a new listener to the show, we went through the math. In order to do the 5 million each uh, for San Francisco, they're going to have to come up with, uh, I think, what do we come up with a round number with everything? Roughly $270 billion. The budget of San Francisco is $14 billion a year. It's like, how do you get the bonds for that? And we figured, how do, well, who's going to finance that? Because you can't come up with that money. That's $600,000 per family. Immediately, what do you have to do? Ah, get a loan from Silicon Valley Bank. Valley Bank. Blah, 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 blah. I said Bally, <laughs> Valley Bank. That's what you do. But I mean, this is just, it's the bizarreness and the insanity. And the reparations thing in San Francisco is just a continuation of the insanity of the Democrat left in this country. You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. 
And I'm Gary McNamara. Eric has the morning off. It's uh, you and uh, me and, oh, man, so much uh, going on. When I sat down, when I woke up and, you know, got into work and sat down, I went, there's just too much. So let's get right to it. Uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee yesterday and a lot of the talk was on the border, and it was just <laughs> it was entertaining. <laughs> but uh, it's you know it, again, he's not going to answer any questions. But that's the key when we have a serious problem, and the person who was in charge of it, of Homeland Security, refuses to answer any questions. When the Border Patrol chief had no problems answering all the questions. Now, of course, the Border Patrol chief, Ortiz, he was in there. He he goes through administrations. He's a civil servant. Mayorkas is a politician bureaucrat. And it's just, it's fascinating. And I wish, you know, that would be something to do, even though the, the time span would be different. But to go back and forth, uh, splice in uh, the Border Patrol chief, Ortiz, answering a question and then going to Mayorkas. And you sit there and you say, well, how come the Border Patrol chief answers the questions precisely and Mayorkas filibusters and never answers the question? And that's easy because the Border Patrol chief does this every day and isn't ab- is not about and has nothing to do with creating the policy that we currently have. The policy of why the border is out of control was created by the president and defended by Mayorkas. That's the problem. And if you couldn't figure that out, it was easy. When (laughs) a year into the Biden administration, when the border is, you know, a horrible mess, was actually going on, even blowing away liberal reporters who say, what do you mean it's secure? Oh, yes, it's secure. It's secure. The border is secure. And it just, I guess what's amazing is, you know, we we only have ourselves to blame because Eric and I have always told the liberals, look, lie bigger. If you're going to lie, lie bigger. Make it a bigger lie. Well, they they did. And it's almost as if, it's almost as if Mayorkas takes, if you see the smirk on his face, it's almost like he enjoys not answering the questions of a serious problem on the border that is responsible for thousands of fentanyl deaths of U.S. Americans every year. It's like, no, this is a game to me. It's a game I'm involved in. Here is uh, uh, Senator Josh Hawley and his questioning of Mayorkas yesterday. I look forward to following up with you, Senator. Thanks, Senator Padilla. Senator Hawley. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Secretary, thank you for being here. Let me start with... What I hope is a simple question. Do we need to have more or fewer people coming to our southern border? Uh, Senator, Senator, we are working on diminishing the number of people whom we encounter at our southern border because of the challenge it presents. We're trying to build lawful, safe, and orderly pathways to accomplish that. Okay, fewer. We need to have fewer, which means we need to roll back incentives to come. So I, I I would have thought that would have been the answer. Let's talk about what you're doing, though. In January of this year, you rolled out a new phone app 
called CBP-1, an app for a cell phone. I've got a picture of it behind me here. This phone app allows, and I'm going to quote from your own fact sheet, it allows, and I quote, non-citizens without appropriate documents for admission to schedule an appointment to come to the border. They can now go on their phone and schedule a time to come to the border and then be admitted. And you identified seven separate border points of entry where they could come. Five of them in Texas, two of them in California, one in Arizona. It's like a concierge service for illegal immigrants. My question is, you didn't think the border crisis was bad enough that now we're going to have an app that allows illegals to schedule their appointments and come and be admitted to this country? Uh, Senator, you're mischaracterizing the use of the application. Let me, let me explain it to you. Uh, we are currently enforcing the public health order of Title 42, and I know you're very familiar with it. There is a process for individuals who claim an exception to the Title 42 expulsion authority because of an acute medical uh, uh, condition. Well, let's talk uh, about this urgent, app. If I, if I may finish, an urgent, um, um, an urgent humanitarian reason. So instead of them coming in between the ports of entry to claim that urgent medical condition, that extraordinarily um, uh, acute humanitarian cause, we allow a limited number to arrive at our ports of entry and seek the emergency relief that they need. Schedule you you allow them. Let's let's be let, let let's be particular about and what I you do. I should say you that the CBP one app was not uh, unveiled for the first time on January fifth of this year. Oh, oh no, it but was, you changed it. You made it available on January fifth to the illegals themselves. You don't have to be a lawyer to use it. You don't have to be a member of a non governmental organization. Anybody can download the app and use it on their phone, and for the first time, you allow them to schedule appointments. Now, let's talk about what actually happens when they come to the border. It's interesting. You characterized this when you rolled it out as an application for applying for asylum, but nowhere on the app do you actually require the illegal migrants to apply for asylum or to claim asylum or anything about asylum. And in fact, when they then get to the border... You don't ask them questions, you don't do interviews, you just release them. Here's the Texas Monthly, not a notable conservative outlet, who reports, and I quote, At no point does the app ask users, are you seeking asylum? Those arriving for the CBP-1 appointments are given no interviews, asked no questions about vulnerabilities that they may or may not have listed in the app, or about why they're coming to the United States. They're simply released into the country, end quote. So rather than building a wall, Mr. Secretary, you have built Ticketmaster for illegal immigrants. You are, um, Senator, you are conflating programs. Let me, let me explain well, just, to just you. Just respond to this. Is it true that they are given no interviews, asked no questions, and simply released into the country? Let me explain to you what we announced on January 5th. No, no I want you to explain but, to me what's happening. I, I know what you oh, announced. So, I read it to you. So I, so I will explain to you what is happening. Are they given because, interviews? Let's start with that. Are they given interviews? We were previously experiencing 
It's almost, starting almost, to sound like a no. Well, let's just 90, let's just hone in here, Mr. Almost, Secretary. My time is is very limited. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to drive to some clarity here. Are the, the Texas Monthly has reported that once illegal immigrants go on their phone and reserve their time to come to the border, once they use your concierge service that you've created for them, when they come, they are given no interviews. They are asked no questions about any vulnerabilities. They are simply released into the country. Is that happening? Uh, Senator, you are mistaken. And if I may explain. Are they given interviews? If I may explain. Individuals who seek parole under our January 5th program for Cubans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans are screened and vetted before they arrive at our border. That wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, they, they, go on an, they go on the phone and they just reserve a time and then they show up and they're not given, they're given nothing. Listen to this. Even immigration advocates are amazed about this. Here, also from the Texas Monthly, here's one immigration advocate whose first name is Orta. She says, that's the crazy part. Nothing in this new program requires you to actually seek asylum. Somehow, We've decided to punish those who arrive at the border without the app, who may be seeking asylum, but we just let in anybody who may or may not have any particular reason to seek asylum, so long as they've made an appointment on your Ticketmaster app. This seems crazy to me. Senator, it's a complete mischaracterization of the program that we announced and are implementing. So how many people have used, how many people have used the app then? That you are referring to. So if I can explain. How many people have used so, the app? So we have, um, we had a significant surge of Cuba. How many people Asian, have used the app? Nicaraguans and Venezuelans. Mr. Secretary, you're here to answer my questions. How many people have used the app? Uh, tens of thousands have sought to uh, make an appointment at the port of entry under our parole program. How, okay. Okay, good. How many have been admitted without an interview at the border? Uh, well, uh, you are... Uh, again, inserting a fact uh, that does not belong in your question. So if I can, I will get you the precise... <laughs> I'm, I'm reading to you from public reports about how your own app works. You're just blanket denying... Actually, you're not quite denying it. You're saying that maybe we don't understand. Apparently, I don't understand. Texas Monthly doesn't understand. Immigration advocates don't understand. You're the only one who understands, yet you won't answer my question. How much did this cost to develop, by the way? Senator, I don't have the cost, but let me share with you a critical Well, will fact. you get it for us? Let me share with you a critical Will you fact. get us the cost of what it, to develop this app? Happily. Uh, did, you use a, did you contract with a tech firm to develop it? Um, uh, Senator, we have seen a approximately... Did you contract nine, with a tech firm to develop it? We have seen an approximately oh, 95% decrease. Did you contract with a tech firm to develop it? Yes or no? Senator, this was led by U.S. Customs and Border Protection, our technical experts within the agency, and I certainly will get an answer to your question whether outside consultants were utilized you don't in the know. development process. You don't know. May I, may I explain to you, since you have a misunderstanding of the program, what it is and the impact, the positive impact it has had on encounters of these four populations in between the I just want to know why it is that you are allowing people to come to this border to make appointments, to not be interviewed, and then how many have just been released? Is it true, by the way, as the Texas Monthly reports, that they're simply released into the country on official parole? And get this, they're not given, according to their reporting, 
any kind of follow-up. Their court dates are in immigration courts, Texas Monthly reports, not even necessarily asylum trials. They're often general deportation hearings where defendants can make arguments for remaining in the country. Is that true? That is um, a completely uh, mistaken understanding of how the immigration process works. That language is completely confusing and erroneous. (laughs) It is confusing. What's confusing is why anybody would think that an app like this to allow illegal immigrants to literally reserve a time to come to the border and then be ushered in without an interview, without follow-up, without tracking, is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. Let me ask you in my very short time remaining is, something is, else about Chinese is, nationals. I've, I've only- okay, there, there it is. Uh, I just, uh, uh, it just It's, uh, it's uh, amazing. And by the way, if you don't know, Texas Monthly, as we know because we're from Texas, is not a conservative publication at all. And and so really, really interesting how generally, well, it's erroneous. Well, what part of it's erroneous? And again, Mayorkas is... Uh, Mayorkas, his goal is not really to answer a question specifically, and that was, that's what he accomplishes. He never really answers a question. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And Red Eye Radio, he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Whew! Wow. <laughs> oh, man. We'll have, there's there's still more Mayorkas coming up. Also, uh, the Democrats uh, always, uh, you know, especially with the, the Republicans talking about, you know, parental rights, where parents should be able to, uh, you know, know, knows, know what goes on in uh, schools, also, you remember that a couple of weeks ago, you had Governor DeSantis uh, in uh, in Florida uh, show some of the books that they said are not age appropriate, and the Democrats were screaming, uh, you know, book, you know, book banning, banning books, banning books, banning books, uh, and he was saying, no, we're talking about things that are age appropriate. And we do that all the time, and and most Democrats actually agree with it. We'll we'll let you hear one of the debates that went on a couple of days ago. Uh, in the House on that. And if you remember when DeSantis was doing that, the books were so graphic that the television stations covering it (laughs) didn't cover it anymore because they were afraid that they would be breaking FCC rules. That the content was would not have been acceptable to their adult TV audience even. And so the TV stations cut away on it, and that really took the criticism away that, well, they're banning books, uh, and brought it back to, you know, is it age appropriate when uh, when that happened? But that was just, to, that was so funny. We had such a great laugh over uh, uh, that one. But that debate uh, continues uh, to uh, to go on so We'll uh, get to that and uh, plus more on the, well, the uh, liberal response to the Nashville Nashville shooting and the Nashville mass murders 
at the uh, the Christian school because the left has just gone bonkers, as we figured they would on it. But just to the point of of even the liberal transgender activist movement attempting to make the murderer a victim. That more coming up, plus your calls and comments, 866-90-RED-EYE. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley. He has the morning off. I'm Gary McNamara. I'm here. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you cannot listen live overnight, like right now. So, <laughs> good morning. How are you? Good to have you aboard. Interesting day yesterday. Things getting a little bit uh, crazy. Uh, we've got, we still have more audio and it may not be today. We may, you know, play more tomorrow. We've got actually Eric and I, we've got audio from the entire month and I was thinking, okay, you're going to be out for a couple of days. Said, well, it gives me a chance to go back, uh, and play some of the incredible audio sometimes in a little bit longer form. That's why I started the show by, by saying, uh, Eric will be replaced by all the audio cuts that we have today. <laughs> Because there's just so much that that is going on, and I think it's important for for everyone to hear now that you actually have a loyal opposition. <laughs> now that you have an opposition uh, 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 party, the Republicans in control of the House of Representatives, that you get to hear uh, some of what's uh, uh, going on. And yeah, I know we played a lot of the Senate today, but what I'm going to play right here is from the from the the house in just a couple of moments but it's just important to hear that debate going back and forth and see how anybody who's in the Biden administration when you see it they really don't wish to answer questions they really don't and it all gets back to what we've said before on every single major issue the democrats really cannot tell you the american public what they want to do and we play, you know, we, we let you listen to Mayorkas uh, 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 today. We had the, um, oh, the, uh, oh, who was it? I can't remember the, oh, the, uh, the one Biden administration official uh, who was a congresswoman and uh, was a co-sponsor of the Green New Deal who could not even say whether, you know, couldn't even say what was in it, refused to answer questions, would answer questions with a thank you. And what she didn't want to do, she'd say she supported the Green New Deal, but when you get into the specifics of it, well, here's what the Green New Deal would do. She didn't want to answer those questions. And it's across the board. It's on It's on everything. And, I, and that's why I wanted to play this audio cut. This was a couple of days ago this happened, and 
This was the House Judiciary Committee holding a hearing called the Biden administration's chilling of parents' fundamental rights. And this goes all the way back, you know, to the, you know, parents are domestic terrorists. And Representative Kevin Kiley is talking here about how uh, in uh, in this one committee hearing that the Democrats (laughs) are trying to not actually talk about the topic at hand, but say, well, what about over here? And one of the things the Democrats were doing was saying, well, because Republicans want to ban books. Now, you have to ask yourself that question. What does banning books mean? Right? Does banning books mean that they're banning books from adults? No. So we're talking about parental, excuse me, parental fundamental rights. So we must be talking about children. Well, do we call that banning books or do we call that age-appropriate material? And that's where the discussion uh, got into. And uh, Representative uh, Kylie gets into a discussion with Nadine Johnson, Managing Director of the Washington and Free Expression Programs, that has been critical of, you know, also using the rhetoric that Republicans are banning books. And it gets into the great conversation because he gets into the minutia of it and starts getting specific. And then you can see that she even believes that some books should not be there. They're not not age appropriate for young students in elementary school. And this goes back to DeSantis a couple of weeks ago when he was criticized as wanting to ban books. So he brought some of the books with him. And had pages, you know, blown up pages of what's in the books. And the TV stations had to cut away because it was too pornographic for them to cover it. Which I guess made DeSantis's point that it's about age-appropriate material. This is another part of it. The Democrats using language and phrases and labels. And we've seen that with the Don't Say Gay bill, which has got nothing to do with Don't Say Gay. But they use that because they can't actually tell you what's in that bill or what that bill was fighting against because they can't win the argument with the American people that it was about teaching sexualized content to five, six, and seven-year-olds. You can't win that argument, so they lie about it. And so they use labels, as we have heard, like, you know, book banning. And so that's what this discussion gets into with uh, Representative uh, Kylie and uh, uh, Ms. Johnson, uh, who uh, apparently was using the the rhetoric that the Republicans wish to ban books. Here you go. Uh, On such an important topic, uh, which the committee has very carefully laid out what happened. Uh, We had uh, the powers of the federal government, uh, counterterrorism powers, uh, uh, criminal powers, uh, law enforcement powers, Uh, mobilized uh, for the purpose of restricting and chilling the most core protected form of speech, that is the right to petition your government and to try to seek changes. And on the most important of topics, the education of uh, one's children. And I had hoped this would have been a bipartisan effort towards accountability. After all, the National School Board Association, uh, which laid out the predicate for this whole thing with its letter, has apologized for it. Yet instead of a bipartisan 
inquiry into what happened here and what reforms we can make, uh, the other side of the dais has engaged in an exercise of whataboutism, saying, well, we're not going to even address this, but what about this whole other issue? And as we've learned in the course of this discussion, this other issue is really a red herring. So, Ms. Johnson, language really matters, and you throw around terms like, uh, you know, book bans and censorship and gag orders. So I guess I'll just ask you, what, in your view, is the difference between banning books and selecting age-appropriate materials for classrooms? Thank you for the question. The, what we're seeing now in terms of banning, banning books, I'll back up a minute. PEN America defines a book ban as the removal of material that had been previously available for students whether that material is being removed for a, as, as a permanent matter or for a review that sometimes turns into a long-form review and ultimately ends in or it results in, excuse me, the access to the book being removed. When we're talking about a book ban, what is happening is the government, the heavy hand of government coming in and saying that this book may no longer be accessed by children. Age appropriateness is a is a different matter. When we're talking about age appropriateness, there are actually um, a number of, of frameworks that exist for this. There's a Lexile framework that talks about what, what books should be, um, how, how books should be categorized and what, what ages. There are publishers who talk about this book is for young adults, this book is for Sure. Adults. So let's just take an example. You said mm-hmm. earlier that you think Mein Kampf should be available in classrooms. What I said is that Mein Kampf, the Communist Manifesto, and other such books are available in public and school libraries and should be so that we can learn about them. In and should be. So did you mean for high school or elementary school? I, that is not for me to say, sir. I, I, I'm, I am not an expert in terms of the age appropriate. That's, that's fair. And so if Mein Kampf were not or, or were in elementary school and they decided we're not going to have it there anymore, would that be a book ban? If it had been in an elementary school and was removed for and was removed and placed in a high school, uh, that's a that's a good question. I think it, I mean, look, it depends on the actual situation. And you're talking to someone who's, who's going to. You're right. I know, it but does you know, I mean, look, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying. To it does do depend it. on the situation. It depends on the situation. So clearly, you agree that there are some books that shouldn't be available to some grade levels. I think that I think that from my perspective as a parent, there are some books that I would not want my children to to read. You might have a different perspective than I do. You might say those books are fine for parents. That's I right. I completely respect that. What my concern is, sir, is that when if it was it was if it was my decision and I say I want you to ban all these books and the school board says great because she said so. That's what I don't want to happen because it is not up to me. It is not up to me as one parent to dictate. That's right, and you have school boards who are making these decisions with input from the community. And so I just want you to be careful about the language that you use, because you as well uh, think it's appropriate to limit access to certain types of materials in classrooms. You just go ahead and say that anyone who disagrees with you on the particular limitations that are put in place uh, is guilty of banning books or violating the First Amendment when that just isn't the case. Now, there you go. When you get into the minutia of it, They can't win the argument. And that's what Kylie did there. And when you look at the state of Florida, those are the elected representatives through the people, the uh, boards of educations that decide to do it. What she's saying is if one parent says a book should be banned and then it's banned, that that's wrong. Well, how many times is that happening that one parent does that? So as he said, it's a red herring. And he's accurate in that. And the Democrats have been screaming. And so what you have to do, and we, Eric and I know this because we do it every day. 
with the left, you have to go point by point by point. You've got to get into the <laughs> the minutia sewer and <laughs> tear it apart one by one by one. Sometimes it's tedious, but you have to do it in order to get to the truth, which is what they don't want you to get to. They don't believe that they can sell and convince the American people, sell to the American people what they believe, so they use labels and slogans and memes in order to define something that is not accurate as to what it actually is. And so I'm happy that I see more Republicans now saying, okay, let's delve into it. Let's get to the minutiae of it. Let's break it down. Because when you do that, and look, that's the business that we're in, and we do it every day. It's important to do that because if you do, the vast majority of the American public will be on your side on the major issues concerning America today. Because on so much, when you think about this, that if you look at the you look at the bill that the Republicans passed that got zero Democrat votes in the House, and what the actual substance of that was, the substance was being transparent. School boards must be transparent about what's going on in their schools. That was the gist of it. Every single Democrat voted against that. And so it's important to understand, and I know there's the issue that, you know, that the Republicans and Libertarians think that there should not be a you know, a education department and the federal government should not be financing educations. That should be up to the uh, uh, states. And Democrats are saying, you know, <laughs> no, uh, that that uh, uh, the Republicans shouldn't be doing this because Republicans shouldn't be dictating it. Yet that's what Democrats do all the time. But the Republicans knew it wasn't going to pass. They just want to get everybody on board. They want to get the vote. And every single Democrat voted against transparency in schools that the parents can know what's going on in their school district every single democrat voted against it through amazing times that we live in how radical the democratic party has become 86690 red eye hi i'm jen loomis a transport safety expert at jj keller And I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA, is the FMCSA safety compliance and enforcement program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, 
So carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, offsite, or onsite inspections, civil penalties, or operation out of service orders. This tip was brought to you by JJ Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, Eric is out doing marketing for the show. As I said to start the show out, they let him out of the cage. I'm not allowed out of the cage. No. They keep me in here. Only Eric gets to meet the public. They don't want me to meet the public, I guess. That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right. Coming up following the bottom of uh, the, uh, the the hour, uh, just uh, as I've said a number of times, uh, Eric is being replaced by all the audio that we have saved up and haven't been able to uh, to get to on so many different congressional hearings. And we have another one coming up following the bottom of the uh, the hour, which is questioning the uh, the Office of Management and Budget on the budget, the OMB director uh, on the, uh, the the budget. I mean, there's so many great there's so much great audio out there. There there's a, and I don't know if I have it today or, or tomorrow or whatever, but uh, there's audio out there that I have of uh, Representative Chip Roy talking about the uh, the uh, Democrats not wanting to vote, you know, for the uh, GOP bill, uh, the, the, the GOP bill on energy that would take some of the fees off and regulation off. And the Democrats are complaining that that would cost $2 billion and help bust the budget. And he goes into a lesson on economics about the fact that, well, um, if you open up, if you want to decrease inflation, you open up natural gas and you it's that's the national uh you know that's the national uh, focus on doing that and you don't subsidize other forms of energy that help drag on the market well you help to reduce inflation and you put a lot more much more money you know actually into the the budget coffers so we'll get to that coming up but this one is with the head of the OMB on uh, just uh, generally the, uh, the the budget and wanting to raise corporate taxes and the effect on inflation. And it's uh, uh, Byron Donalds from um, Florida, who I said earlier this week, I said, I wouldn't be surprised if someday he's a presidential candidate because he's really, really, really good. But the other thing that got me laughing as we came into this break was I'm just, you know, scanning. And I, I go to uh, the Drudge Report and... The the lead headline with everything going on, the lead headline, Christie the Trump Slayer. Chris Christie, what? It shows Chris Christie the picture. Christie the Trump Slayer with a question mark downloads on the Don, and he's simply saying that he can't he can't vote for uh, Trump anymore. He will not support him as he did before. But it was just the rhetoric of Christie the the Trump Slayer with a question mark next to it. And I'm like, come on. Come on, that isn't going to happen. You know, that's not if he just and I don't think I, I would be very surprised. I think the only way that Christie, you know, and he said in the next uh, what was it, two months, 60 days. 
that he'll decide, and we noticed that was the timeline, that DeSantis might decide. I have a feeling if DeSantis is in, Christie will not be in. But if DeSantis doesn't get in, I would expect Christie to get in. Would it be interesting? Yeah. We'll see. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Eric has the morning off. I don't. I'm here. <laughs> well, he actually doesn't have the morning off. He's uh, he's doing marketing work for us, you know, helping promote the station. and The station, the show. Well, we are a station because we always say we're the station that cares. So in <laughs> that way, we're a station. All right, before we get to the audio that I wanted to play, I just saw this, and i got to find the audio on this. Um, Rand Paul was on Fox News last night. And according to Paul, evidence indicates that former National Institution of Allergy and Infectious Disease, Dr. Anthony Fauci, has lied about how the virus came to be. Here's the quote uh, from the transcript from Rand Paul. I'm 100% confident that Fauci lied to us and that they were doing dangerous research there. I would say all the evidence I've seen so far points towards it coming from the lab, and it all adds together, and proximity makes a difference. The fact that the lab is within walking distance of where most of the uh, of, of where most of the coronavirus of the world, the largest collection of coronaviruses in the world is is within walking distance of where this started. Yes, there's too many coincidences to add up, but there is also evidence that this virus is the product of something that was being developed and experimented upon. A group in Wuhan actually asked our Defense Department for money and said they wanted to take a coronavirus like COVID and put something in it to make it more infectious. This is not found in nature, and that's exactly what COVID turned out to be. So this is a, this is a mystery. It is a mystery with a cover-up. We've now found that American universities have given money to military research in China. And we are going to get to the bottom of this, but there's a massive cover-up going on. And the lead in all of the cover-up has been Fauci. So that's Rand Paul yesterday. We did note how Fauci is now slowly... Uh, evolving what he initially said. There was a conversation, we played the audio a couple of weeks ago, and it was funny because Eric and I played the audio and neither of us had listened to it, and we played it on the air and went, whoa, we hadn't, 
we didn't get a chance. We found the audience and said, let's play it as we're going into a segment. Let's play this from Fauci. And we, we both looked at each other on the air and went, whoa, <laughs> well, that's an evolution of his uh, of his stance where he started talking about, well, maybe maybe it came maybe it came from nature. And then when it came from nature uh, in the lab, uh, you know, we evolved it through man-made mean, uh, means into something that became more infectious. But that originally it did come from nature. It's like, oh, shut up. <laughs> of course, you manipulated the virus. If you manipulated the virus, it came from, from nature. That's the gain of function that Rand Paul's talking about. So we'll keep you up to date on uh, on that one. But that's really interesting. See if we can get some audio on that uh, before the uh, end of the show. I want to play this. This is uh, uh, Shalanda Young, head of the OMB, Office of Management and Budget, talking about the budget in front of the House of uh, Representatives. This goes back to late last week, but I wanted to play it uh, because it's it just, uh, well, it's important for everybody to hear. And asking the questions is Representative Byron Dan- Donalds, excuse me, from uh, South Florida, who I have said, you know, I've always, I've, the last couple of years since he's been in Congress since 2020, I've just been really impressed by him. And I've just, in the back of my mind, always thought, this is a guy that's going places, and I I can see him. I wouldn't be surprised, as I said the other day, if he's a presidential candidate in the next 20 years. But uh, here's the back and forth on the budget and especially the wanting to raise corporate taxes. Here we go. Um, Obviously, you know, a budget in five minutes, we're not going to be able to deconstruct this entire thing. So let's try to focus in. Uh, Number one, the corporate tax increase, the corporate tax rate under your budget, under the president's budget, excuse me, goes up to 28 percent. Is it the administration's belief that an increase in the corporate tax rate will have no impact on an already inflationary environment with higher prices for consumers? Uh, we don't believe it will change the operations of how corporations make decisions. No, we don't. Well, no, no. The, the question, Director Young, is do you, does the administration believe that higher corporate income taxes will have an inc- will force an increase in prices in an already inflationary environment that a lot of people actually really believe now is unleashed by the American Rescue Plan from last February? Mr. Donalds, I, we do not believe that is the case. Okay, so the administration doesn't think that higher taxes are going to lead to higher prices on top of an already inflationary environment. Uh, for corporations, are you uh, assuming they pass on their, their tax rates on Correct, to- you're wrong. Corporations always pass on cost, the cost increases. They're doing it with inflationary costs, with the, with the ability to get their products right now, the, the portions that they need to create their products to sell to consumers. When the cost of freight is up, the cost of wheat is up, the cost of oil is up, that's all being passed through. Yes or no? Mr. Donalds, I don't believe, and we don't believe as administration, that asking corporations to pay 28%, they used to pay 35% before the last tax cuts, will increase inflationary pressures. Director Young, um, does the administration um, acknowledge the fact that when the corporate tax cut, corporate tax rate was cut from 35 to 21, that the United States raised more revenue in corporate income taxes than at any other point in American history? What we saw was a continued uh, a use of legal loopholes uh, that prevented, I mentioned this earlier, 50 corporations, the Fortune 500, from paying any taxes. I'm not talking about the uses of what's already in the tax code. I actually would argue that if we're going to have a fair code, Mm -hmm. we should adopt a flat tax or a fair tax. 
I mean, I don't think that's the administration's position. That's my position if we're going to have a fair code. But to talk about what they use in the current legal structure of the tax code, you can't make that argument and say that, oh, well, they're using these things. I'm talking about that they raise, did the government raise more revenue from corporate income taxes? Yes or no? And corporations continue to make more. That is, that is the All right, point. Let, let's, let's, let's move on because I know we're not, we're not going to get anywhere there. Um, in your proposal, I'm reading like the. But she actually, I just want to stop here because she actually admitted it by saying, yeah, but corporations make more. So, yeah, they paid more than taxes than ever before, but they made more. I wish he would have stopped. I don't know if he caught that because I I caught it and went, well, excuse me. What she's saying is we don't want corporations to pay more taxes if they make more money. We only want corporations to pay more taxes if they make the same or less money. Ah! But I caught that one. But uh, let's continue with this. Here we go. Golly. Uh. <laughs> the expanded explanations here. Reading the, the Green Book. <laughs> yes, I'm reading the Green Book right now. Um, right now, we have a serious situation in the United States associated with um, gas prices and rising oil prices, which is going to impact every American, whether they are rich or poor, whether they are black and white. The 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 one thing that will be consistent is that it will affect everybody. There will be no no inequality associated with rising energy prices. In your budget proposal, the administration is actually saying that they're going to unwind every tax benefit associated with fossil fuels in the United States. Does the administration believe that completely eviscerating all oil and natural gas tax treatments that we've had in our country, frankly, for 30, 40 years, do they believe that that will actually lead to lower prices of on oil and natural gas. We don't believe the tax structure offered will uh, lead to increased gas prices. But you're right, Mr. Donalds, we have to do something to bring down the cost. Um, but I hope you would agree uh, that costs have gone up since the Russian aggression in Ukraine. Director Young, we have to acknowledge that oil prices have been up far before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine on February 24. But a dollar the, price, the price of a barrel of oil was up significantly. The price of gas was roughly $3.64.65 on average in the United States. That was already significantly higher than what it's been over the last four years in the United States. Do you acknowledge that? Uh, I acknowledge that there were increased energy prices that have further increased since Russian aggression. Director Young, okay. So we understand that prices are higher now since February 24. We are going to acknowledge for the record that prices have been higher under the president's administration currently. You, the president has talked about how he wants to get away from fossil fuels. Is the, the administration's position that essentially eliminating all tax treatment, which makes oil and gas production in the United States far easier, that that's actually going to be to the betterment of the United States from an energy perspective going forward in the country. Mr. Donalds, we think we need a comprehensive approach. I will remind everyone here, our country is one of the three before Russia took this route that produced over 10 million uh, barrels uh, a, a month. Uh, ask, this country you, does question. not have an oil production problem. Quick, quick, quick follow up on that. That's under current tax treatment. I would argue that if the tax treatment on oil and gas companies goes up, we are going to have a production problem. But, but to that point, one of the main uh, talking points from the administration is that you want an economy that works for everyone. You want a tax system that is fair. Is it fair for the green energy portion of energy in the United States to have significantly more favorable tax treatment than oil and natural gas? Uh, as we know, these are developing uh, systems. We need to ensure that those systems, as 
as many so it's, systems it's okay for oil and natural gas to be treated unfairly um gentleman's time has expired oh we were getting to the answer chairman come on now give me <laughs> well, no, I love, come on chairman we were good i love her i love her answer but you can't continue all right, the all right, debate all right. thank you mr chairman <laughs> director young please and, and mr mr yarman thank you and by the way <laughs> Many of the subsidies uh, for people who want to buy electric vehicles, this is to help consumers. Uh, many consumers want solar panels. Many consumers want electric vehicles. The government, we believe, the best way to help them achieve that and also a cleaner, uh, a cleaner world uh, is to provide subsidies. Okay. No, they don't. <laughs> if they wanted them, you wouldn't need the subsidies. But, uh, no, it was just interesting back and forth. I, I just love how... When and oh, I wish, I wish he would have caught it immediately when she mumbled under her breath. Because I had to, I had to stop it and and say something about it when talking about uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, corporate taxes that uh, that when you lower it, and she basically agreed that yeah, we got more revenue, but they made more money. Think about that. How insane is that? <laughs> so you had companies that made more money which means if you make more money you're expanding and you have to hire more workers and you pay more taxes but young was clear that was a problem we want companies to pay more taxes but not to expand the economy that's amazing but it is telling of liberalism we wish to punish companies we don't think it's right that we get even more money to the government if these companies do better understand again how radical this current democratic party in 2023 is this is how radical they are we only want tax increases if the companies don't make more money, because then they're punished in some way. We are against companies expanding and even paying more taxes if they make more money. Wow. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, Eric has the morning off. Well, t- today uh, I expect uh, you're going to have a, a big back and forth, uh, uh, especially after the uh, the mass murder in uh, uh, in Nashville and uh, the response from the uh, the liberal transgender activist movement uh, out there that is attempting to somehow blame uh, uh, Republicans. I do believe that because of yesterday and the attempt to make uh, by one liberal transgender activist group to make the murderer be a victim in this case. Uh, I think this is going to accelerate the debate that has been, that has uh, been going on and, and um, uh, because when, when you see, when you see again, how radical they are 
And the things that they're saying, like there's a transgender genocide in the United States, that's completely false. A transgender genocide. And part of it is, uh, part of the fury is because of the pushback of not allowing children to take hormone treatments and be mutilated, physically mutilated, have body parts removed, and no parental consent whatsoever. They view that as part of the genocide. And so you're going to have more of a discussion on it. And I'm I'm happy that this, I wish this hadn't happened, but the discussion is needed. The debate is needed in this country because it's nuts. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville. The Ultimate Smallville Rewatch Podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.